0: Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20 some odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend Michael Polley... Watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey everybody. Uh, welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Uh, we're going to be very sad this week because it's season 5 episode 19. Tough love. I'm your host, cartoonist Dennis St. John, and we have with us friend of the cast and returning guest David Yoder.:
1: I thought you were going to say Michael) <laughs> virgin but yeah i'm here i'm david thanks for having me on
0: yeah thanks for coming on and why don't uh you other two introduce yourselves and say how long it's been since you've been to a culture fair
1: who's more cultured than the other but let's be fair my name is
2: michael i'm the virgin i've only seen buffy up to season five episode 19 and i went to a greek festival a year ago technically technically greek is culture
3: (laughs) My name's John Landis, and I went to the Greek festival in Dayton, Ohio, when I was 12 years old.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask, does watching Midsummer count,
3: or is that a different thing? <laughs> uh,
0: you know, we're all our own judges here. Um, and before we start uh, the podcast proper, I just wanted to tell everybody that uh, what's going on with me right now, just because... This crisis will have passed before this episode actually airs, but I'm evacuated right now from the Kincaid fires in uh, Sonoma County, Um, so I'm recording from a different location. Uh, I had to, you know, escape my home, uh, leave my home to escape the fires, but uh, my commitment to the podcast is strong. Um, I just wanted to let you guys know, in case you're watching on YouTube, seeing a new background, or uh, when you're listening, if I get distracted by phone calls or something, uh, that is what's going on. All right. Uh, thanks for bearing with me. Uh, and now let's move on to reactions for Checkpoint.
3: Audience reactions.
0: <clears throat> All right. So we had a lot of strong reactions this week. Um, I'm going to start with uh, the Twitter re- reactions from at uh, Ren and Oz, who first says, uh, welcome back, fam. So thanks for that. Um, in defense of Stephen Moffat, because I was trash at Stephen Moffat. <laughs> Uh, He leans on none of those writerly crutches in his best and most seminal work, Press Gang. Honestly, it's quite possibly the best content for young people ever made. Yep, I said it. Hashtag Linda Day for PM. Uh, And I haven't seen Press Gang, so thank you for those, Rex. I stand by my trashing of of his lazy story writing. Uh, But only in that one, only in that he keeps doing this one thing that I was complaining about. Uh, But I'm sure that's a good show. I've never even heard of it. Uh, she goes on to say, "Wowzers! as someone who works in an office that deals extensively with Australian citizenship and immigration matters, I have never heard of such a basic questioning of the provided context of a potential migrant. Like, ever. Uh, so burn on you, Mike. <laughs> Wait, why, why a
2: burn? Because they should have been more exhaustive in their interrogation of Travis? Or you
0: should have just been accepting that this is what happens. <laughs> uh, although I, I'd say I bet that... You know, those people do complain outside of the office about it. I don't know. I just think we were just complaining. I I don't know. Uh, Well, we were complaining because
2: Giles is like uh, citizenship is so confusing and it sounds like the Watcher Council can revoke it somehow. And we were trying to understand how that happened. And then that's all it took for me to get into my citizenship hole and talk yeah. about getting Australian citizenship.
3: Just well, now you attend. know somebody who works in that office, Michael. I think you should uh, <laughs> keep that in your back pocket. Oh, Yeah, let me keep that Twitter handle in my pocket. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and obviously <laughs> it's still easier, like, as many hoops as you might, as, you know, your wife might have had to jump, it's still easier to do than, like, you know, an immigrant trying to get asylum in America or anything. Like, this, this was just, you know, it's just, like, first world complains. <laughs> Which I know there's a term for that, but I forgot it. Um, and, uh, she also says, um, I'm just going to politely suggest that for many of us, it's hard to get outraged by, uh, systematic patriarchal control as repped by the Watchers Council because we experience versions of it every day. And yes, usually even the good guys perpetuate its norms. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks for that. Uh, yeah, we were getting worked up, especially one of us who isn't here. He can't defend himself. Uh, but you know. We're passionate people. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. Um, All right. Now we're going to get
3: into uh, the YouTube comments. Uh, Actually, does somebody else want to read these? I'll read Silver Spikes. Uh, Silver Spike uh, quotes, I believe, Michael back to his face and says, I would like these stories to be more concise, short tales. Oh, dear. Seriously? Then IMO, you are watching the wrong TV show. Lol. BTVS has always been about character arcs that develop through linked seasons slash episodes. And yeah, you seem to prefer to pigeonhole Spike's character and see him in only one light. Oh well, your loss. Oh, and as to your problem with Giles and the Watcher Council. Sorry, Giles has stood up to them in the past. Giles is no coward, and in fact, I've never seen anyone say that before. IMO, you all seem to have a lot of issues with the male characters and yet give characters like Anya a free pass. I just want to say, of course we give Anya a free pass. She's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I have no problem with this comment because I feel like it's true that we do look at the male characters a little more uh, closely. And I think that that is a reflection of where all of our heads are at watching this show at this particular time. And, uh, not just in history, but in our own personal lives. Like we were big, big fans of this show in maybe a little bit less critical way when we were younger. And now we're rewatching it, most of us, uh, for the fourth, fifth, sixth time. And I feel like there's a little bit of a a focus there. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that that's something I feel like apologizing for. And Silver Spike, can't you see I'm trapped? (laughs) Can't you hear my
2: call for help? (laughs) I would like these stories to be more concise, short tales, but they're not. It's year four or whatever it is of meeting up every week to do this. Help me,
0: Spike. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, uh, that's good, Mike. Uh, you're trapped. I'm sorry. The room. its, <laughs> it's You're losing air. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I think I also disagree with Silver Spike's assessment that the stories have always. Um, that's always been about character arcs that develop through linked seasons and episodes. Um, they're. One thing I think is really interesting about this rewatch is that this show occupies an interesting place in TV history where it's mo- where it moves from more short tales to right. longer story arcs. And that's something I've commented on from the beginning. And um, this watch through, I prefer the shorter tales uh, like Mike. Um, so I don't think the show has always been about these longer things It that, you know. I just think it's it's a changing show and we're right now at season 5 we're kind of in the middle of this change where it is moving to to less like standalone
1: stories. It does make it uh easier with a show too when there are standalone stories to like pick a random one to like just watch for fun as opposed to doing a giant rewatch, I would say. Like yeah. you know yeah. like there are still those ones that like will stand out of being like oh it's the one uh where there's the Buffy bot or whatever, you know that you guys just did but when it's like the big overarching story, sometimes it's hard to divide up what happened in those individual episodes to be like, what's this one again?
0: Yeah. 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 And I miss the monster of the weeks, you know? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, if like, if there's, there's like one end of the spectrum that is, I don't know, the Simpsons or something where like literally every episode has to be a hundred percent reset at the end. And then the other end of the spectrum is like walking dead where there's so much link between episodes that literally nothing has ever resolved in inside of an episode and it just feels like this endless sort of slog i feel like buffy is a nice uh halfway point right it's like it's the it's the midway point in that evolution between the ways that we seem to do uh television storytelling and it i think from coming from where we are now where we're definitely more in the like where the long slog version of storytelling is the is the norm i think it does feel like we do tend to what we're going to pick out and talk about in Buffy is the fact that it's shorter. And like, that's what we like about it. Or maybe we want it to be more way, more that way. Because, again, that's that's what's different about it from uh, from normal television.
0: Uh, all right. Moving on to uh, Grant Thatcher, whose name I might have said right or wrong. I don't recall. I'm sorry. <laughs> <I> <laughs> he know did teach us this. how to say it. And then
3: we immediately <laughs> forgot.
0: Uh, why didn't Glory follow through on her threat, uh, i.e. kill the mum? Then tell Buffy her sister is next unless she tells her where the key is. Besides the character shields, I mean. Hmm. <laughs> uh, also, watchers like those in the Faith episode, couldn't they have found actors with, oh, and I forgot to click more, but, but with like proper English accents. And uh, I totally missed it this episode, but thanks for calling that out. Anon <laughs> um, Mouse
2: says, I was going to comment on the creepy puppet people, but then I got mesmerized by the creepy puppet people. So here are my belated comments. One, it was the only one of your episodes that w- I watched the whole way through. And two, I couldn't decide what was creepier, <laughs> the moving demon eyes or Dennis looking shifty in a young girl's
0: bedroom. Uh, thank you for that, Anonymous.
3: This <laughs> one broke my eyes. heart that Anonymous has been commenting on our videos for ages and has never watched an entire one of them. Apparently. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know it's a long, boring podcast, but uh, I thought at least <laughs> a few people were listening to the whole thing. Uh, Well, thank you
0: for watching all the way through. Uh, And I agree, I was looking very shifty in a young girl's bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, That has been Great Lines. I mean, sorry, that has been Responses. Let's move on to Great Lines. Great Lines.
3: Yeah, I really enjoyed Willow uh, with the uh, cheesy action movie line where, uh, you know, Glory says, bag of tricks. Bag of knives. (laughs) It doesn't fit Willow's character at all, but it was great.
0: It's the new Willow. (laughs) Bag of treats.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is from Dawn. This is a really fun moment with her and Buffy. Uh, She says. Those mugs put K through eight in my head. Can we wait to see if they drop nine in there too? Boom. And it's like mic drop. And that's when Buffy drops the real
0: knowledge. Anyway, that's a great spot. That is solid. Uh, I'm picking a Willow line also. Uh, she goes, well, I took Psycho one. I mean, I took Psych 101. I mean, I took it from an evil government scientist who was skewered by her own Frankenstein-like creation before the final. But I know what a Freudian slip is. <laughs> uh, that to me, was like uh, such classic Buffy lines where it's like, you know, we're having a very serious conversation, but, I, but we have to take a moment to call out the craziness of our lives.
1: Uh, I picked a Willow line myself uh, right after the, the human triangle uh, demonstration. Uh, Willow says, you know me. I'm like, go school. It's your birthday. <laughs>
0: Good choices, all. The Summary
2: Dear college, it's not. You, it's me I need to take care of Dawn. This haiku brought to you by Applesauce. It's what you get spoon-fed when you lose your mind. Welcome to Tough Love. This is the episode where Buffy becomes a parent.
1: But I'm sure this will all- Don, why don't you wait outside for a few minutes?
2: Giles tortures a minion. What happened? changed his mind. Anya discovers she's a real American. I've recently come to realize there's more to me than just being human. Tara loses her mind. <laughs> the light. And Glory tracks down the key.
0: All right, let's uh, do the kill count before we jump in. The kill count. So we have one major dramatic brain drain. And in round five of Buffy vs. Glory Smackdown, this round, by the narrowest of margins, goes to Buffy with a tag team from a majorly pissed off Uber Willow. And that's all we got for the kill count. Let's move on to Weird Noticings and Trivia. Weird Noticings.
3: So to start with, I have the world's least interesting uh, zoom in and enhance where uh, you can see if you uh, I do have a screenshot in there. Uh, You can see Giles. Next to uh, the back door of the magic box has a little chalkboard that says, it says clock gets wound on the first of every month. Remember, spring forward. <laughs> Everyone is counting on it.
0: Uh, He's got a great little it.
3: reminder about his clocks on the chocolate. It's
0: cute. All right. Uh, Yoder, you put your, you found something? So I,
3: I just have a question
1: about the opening scene where Buffy's like uh, quitting her class. Uh, that They're trying to make it like cut in some humor with the dramatic stuff going on. but My question, I guess, is what is the joke here? Is it that, like, jokey, or that Buffy doesn't know what a haiku is? That her professor doesn't know that the slide projector is called a carousel? Is it the slide getting stuck and getting thrown out? Is it my weird read that I have, that when the professor says, I'm glad you like poetry, Buffy, is this actually not a poetry class? And she's quitting some other class and talking about poetry in this class, which like, that feels like a betrayal for like, I know she has a lot going on in her life, but like, it's like, oh, Buffy's dumb, can't pay attention to what's going on or something. I don't know. That's my mini rant there on that. Did anyone else, you, you were nodding your head, John. You read it as.
3: Yeah, no, I definitely felt like they were setting up the joke where he's like, I'm glad you like poetry, Buffy. But I teach mathematics or so. I thought that was the joke they were setting up when I was watching this. Uh couldn't really remember from previous watchings, but yeah. Also, it seemed like they were setting up like if this was season one or two, they would be setting up the joke where Buffy like accidentally like smashes the slide projector trying to do something with it. I thought they were setting yeah, that up the well. Yeah, with their
0: super strength. I yeah. thought about that also. Uh <laughs> but I can't see a carousel now and not think of uh, Mad Men.
1: I, I thought of that. I also thought of just like the only school or class that like would really use those was like art history to like show examples of like different
0: yeah it really speaks to a very specific time when that was being used you're not going to see those in the classrooms anymore
3: it must have been such a pain in the ass to like do a powerpoint back then
2: yeah (laughs) well you'd have to really plan and prepare right yep and you probably wouldn't wouldn't put your notes on the slide (laughs) yeah it's true (laughs) i mean which you shouldn't do anyway it's bad presentation skills I, I I like what you said there, Yoder, because like it is a confusing scene. There's like lots of interesting little details that don't turn into a joke. They're just like all the trappings are there for an inversion uh, or a Buffy crush, <laughs> like prop, like a prop joke or a prop gag. And then they don't they don't do that. Instead, it's just like a sort of uh, it's OK if you quit scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how Shav would have rated this
2: prop prop work. oh 10 out of 10 it's fantastic (laughs) I mean there's a little bit of tension in the scene just with her fidgeting with the carousel right and like it the slide doesn't belong and it doesn't fit it's her she's popping herself out of school I feel like it's like a tight fit to remove uh, the slide should have hit the professor in the
1: face though or something be a little more wacky that's what I think
2: (laughs) Uh, I love this scene where Ben gets fired for attendance issues it is the most condescending fuck you scene. Oh, I so can't believe Ben sits there through that crap, man. <laughs> like, first of all, you show up two weeks late, which, by the way, like if you quit a job, don't ever show up again. Like, <laughs> but he's like, I maybe I can get it back. Maybe they won't notice. I think because he's given such shitty advice and been generally not
3: good at his job. I think it's so just because he, thinks-
0: he literally hasn't been a- around for two weeks yeah he just didn't exist for two weeks so he didn't even know
3: <laughs> he didn't know yeah i think i think you missed the the just the the thrust of the scene michael which is that he he's finding out in this moment that he's been gone for two weeks
2: okay so ben doesn't know how long it through his transformations last and so they come and go well then he should have got fired a long time ago because like <laughs> i don't know how long glory has been taking over his body or whatever for other scenes but like- uh
1: Yeah. And he only has enough time to go and find out that he's fired. He wouldn't have like even been able to work that shift that day because glory takes over again. You know, when I was
0: younger than Ben is now, I definitely no called, no showed a couple jobs. But then like, like maybe two weeks later, came back because I needed that last paycheck. Uh, And it's a terrible feeling. Um, (laughs) But we could talk uh, like the thing you're bringing up about the condescending nature of like this guy being like, take responsibility for your own problems. It's such a, like, fuck you feeling because it's like, you know, this guy literally doesn't know that Ben's got this whole demon god thing going on. But it's like that that whole that whole argument about, like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. There's no one to blame but you, like, ignores every problem that everybody else in the world has except for you, you know?
2: I mean, um, it's such the opinion of a middle manager, right? So, like, I, I fucking hate that level of opinion yeah. where it's like. Uh, I don't own this business, I have none of the liability, none of the overhead, I have a job, and I have, I'm in a comfortable state, and from my position of some some comfort uh, and authority, I will deliver the reality of what the world is really like to you, because you need help. And it's like, it's just a dick move, but they really go full full throttle with that, and then drop the like, a wonderful weirdness of exposition of what's going on with Ben and Glory, which I like. I like that a lot as a as an exposition drop for like uh, you know we've talked about how these episodes you could just click come in and watch and like and maybe you'd get it maybe you wouldn't this episode's really well set up for you to get what's
0: going on and
2: I, I really like that that setup.
0: So do you suppose there's some sort of connection between Ben and Glory? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man, that locker slap too is so good. Where like the hand transforms into you know with painted nails.
1: Uh, Dude, the clothes like form fit to like whoever like shifts into them because like Ben's outfit would be rather baggy on glory
3: wouldn't it he uh, saw he invested in the unstable molecule scrubs early uh, on
2: <laughs> Nerd. Right, it's an expensive early purchase <laughs> to go in for your as your magic item to have uh, unstable scrubs but uh, you know that stuff's important uh, and then just this uh, next scene about just shit getting so real in the teacher's office. Yeah. I love that scene. So Buffy has totally transitioned into the mom or the adult role. And then for Don to be excused so that the real people can talk. So adults can talk. It's just a wonderful scene. And the stakes are so high. And like, I really felt it in the scene and you just feel like the power slipping, like changing hands and Don not understanding what the consequences are of both her you know her mom being dead and Buffy being responsible for her and Dawn not going to school and just like all those things like convening like it's such a great scene I want this scene to be 10 times longer than it is
0: yeah yeah I'm glad all this all the like uh things you're pulling out from it like well
2: I mean I'm an adult right so like I understand a little bit more about what's going on than maybe I would have as a as a younger person there's something that happens when you have kids and I don't have kids, but I mean, just from being around people with kids where it's like uh, you get treated like a real person. And this is such a, one of those adult scenes. And maybe we've talked about this sometimes when people accidentally think you're an adult or they think you have kids. <laughs> like when you're like, oh, you're this is your problem. Like, I, mean, I I I just love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think we'll talk more about that later once we get into themes and stuff. But I mean, not that we can't keep talking about it now, but like there's a lot to unpack there, you know? about where Buffy's been and about, like, where Willow is also, because, like, Willow doesn't respect Buffy as a parent, you know? And it's like, those scenes read so differently to me now that I... Not that I'm not a parent either, but, like, a lot of my friends are, and I know very clearly, like, I can't, like, you know, contradict somebody's parenting in front of them, like, you know? I was like, those are intense. Um, I did want to point out, Don has joined the Leather Jacket Club Uh, which is something you have that happens in the show when you go bad, but she's only (laughs) a little bit bad. So it's a nice, like light blue leather jacket. Uh. (laughs) So in
2: terms of spinoff content, Buffy needs like some book or a film just starring Anya (laughs) teaching capitalism. And maybe it's just like some documentary short film PSA kind of content, but like Anya's, I'm an American speech and like what it's like to be an American. Like I, this was tough before that comment from Don came up, you know, in their, in her conflict with Buffy about like, um, auto learning school somehow. This was like my top like quotation yeah. would have been from these capitalism lessons from Anya, just from raw observation of what it means to be an American. Oh, it's such a good little sequence.
0: Yeah. I love that idea. We could like make a book called like Anya's little red book like <laughs> oh yeah totally a riff on chairman mau some yeah. kind of like you know
2: her her face on the cover very uh like a like an outline of her face and then
0: <laughs>
1: Big go into of me. like anya's little skills. red
0: white and blue book uh, <laughs>
1: wouldn't it be green for money i feel like that, that's what she really cares about yoder
2: i'm glad you're here thank you
1: <laughs> I, I i enjoyed i i've enjoyed anya's like getting all about money i think ever since she played the game of life and kind of yeah learned that lesson uh in this episode it was i had kind of the opposite reaction i was like oh i don't like it getting like her getting political to say that like america is a capitalist society instead democratic i don't know it's just like it's like yeah that's the truth but like (laughs) i i don't i don't want to hear it from you buffy right now you know like right like like, i want to escape into other things (laughs)
0: But it also feels really, like a real thing of like, you know, you got a friend who's like totally buying into something that you are you like, oh no, you've gone down this path. <laughs> right. Like she's just one
2: friend away or one new contact away from a multi-level marketing scheme. Well, what like happened on Angel. Or <laughs> you know, she's uh yeah, going to fall into one of these like, you know, I wanna say like money advice books. Cause there's a bunch of different like uh Bible slash uh, investment advice books that you can fall into. I don't want to name them here because yeah. I don't want to <laughs> lead anyone down those paths.
1: Or she starts asking to see Xander's pay stub to like see how much he's raking in.
2: I mean, it's interesting because they've, they've kept out of, I think a lot of the kind of investment guru kind of uh world in this show. Not that they were going to enter it, but there's like a lot of different directions you can go from where Anya is. It's like, this is almost like the first chapter in one of those. I mean, okay, this is the worst one. Is rich dad poor dad is the worst one. I highly don't recommend that one. It's completely condescending. It's terrible advice. But uh that's the direction I feel like I would go next, just based on the raw observation style of uh, Anya's outlook on the on capitalism.
1: Mad money with Anya. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Jim Cramer world.
0: Ugh. Uh. <laughs> Yoder, why don't you do your next observation here?
1: Oh, okay. So uh, uh, Xander's trying to be there for Buffy, be a good pal, be supportive. But the only thing he can think of that's supportive is a bra, uh, which isn't that surprising for Xander, I guess. He couldn't think of a bridge or something. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, I guess he's going to lift and separate uh, Buffy's problems. that what <laughs> he's offering to do. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right thank you yoder
1: <laughs> is there a rim shot you can add yeah. in there <laughs>
0: you know we, we usually have yoder on for the sillier episodes and uh just due to scheduling he couldn't come on for the buffy bot episode so we had him on for this more serious <laughs> episode uh and i'm glad that we have you here <laughs> wow yoder's getting told what role he plays
2: <laughs>
1: i know what role i play <laughs> Uh, Have you not been paying attention to the episodes I've picked so far, Michael?
2: Oh, no, I, I can tell. I can sense a Yoder episode. Come. Well, or when I see that you're scheduled um, in the calendar, I get a little excited because I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fun one.
1: <laughs>
2: I good taste. Uh, and I, I can tell I can tell this was not a Yoder episode, <laughs> <laughs> but I was excited for a minute when I thought it was. And then it just took a dark turn. Yeah, I missed it by this much. <laughs> So Willow and Tara's fight is uh, the kind of vague and specific fight that feels very real to me. Yes. And just phenomenal fight scene where they're both fighting about specific problems and then like just little a little comment, right? That little phrase that describes you in a way that you hadn't thought you were described. So when Willow, you know, Tara describes Willow as frightening or having power that's a little frightening or she's frightened of her, uh, that's enough to really trigger willow and i think that's absolutely what happens in a fight and it's yeah. beautifully rendered where someone says a thing about you that they haven't said before and it's true and you know it's true but it's not what the fight's about and
0: yeah I and really it just the way that. the fight moves flow, flows from subject to subject and like it gets out of control in that way where you're like like you know because where it starts i agree with tara completely where it's like willow Is so overstepping her bounds with her like critique of Buffy's parenting and like you know Willow has or Tara has more experience but like Willow can't hear any critique of herself in that moment and rolls her eyes and it's like I can see how this spirals and it's like I can follow it all like terrible like you know it's like you're going down this path you don't want to go down but you can't stop um right and And Tara's
2: rolling into a compliment yeah, what yeah. she means to do is talk about how advanced and sophisticated a witch that, you know, Willow is. She's become a really powerful witch, so powerful that it's frightening. And then she's concerned about what that means. And Willow takes it as an insult. Yeah. And, and then and Willow brings up
0: something that's made her fright or afraid or worried during the relationship is like her, you know, which I don't feel necessarily qualified to speak of but like her not having been out before and like all this like stuff but uh sorry i'm getting my phone's blown up um (laughs) but yeah yeah i thought that was a a very good and painful fight to watch you know
2: yeah it was really good and there's another scene that this is linked to which we'll get to later but the i i wonder how much of this uh how this reads to you know, if it, there's anything specifically about this that that reads differently to the queer community that I'm I'm totally not catching up on, for this for this scene. But I know in a later scene there's a bunch of there's a bunch of uh what I think are like warnings or triggers to the queer community for the later scene in the hospital. Yeah. For this one it just felt like right. freaking solid fight scene. <laughs> like, uh, this is a really painful one to watch. Yeah. And I watched it twice because I was like, this writing's so good. What's happening? Not to make fun, of Buffy. Sorry.
1: Yeah, I can't. I can't speak to what you were saying, but um, it does feel very real, though. That like Willow's going to her partner. She just wants to support, like, and then Tara comes back with something else, and that boils up things that probably they should have had like, just like more even-tempered conversations about in general. That they it seems like they haven't talked about at all, as far as uh, Willow's powers and also like maybe where they see their relationship going or whatever
0: yeah yeah it's like um they're at a point where they've almost gone too long in the relationship without fighting and like once the fight starts it's like everything they've been holding on to has to get like at least mentioned and it makes it so much worse you know um so the minions (laughs) all failed out of sneak school (laughs) terrible at it (laughs) also like one or two of those minions could have clearly heard the casual conversation the casual dawn is the key conversation in Buffy's house because they were sneaking right at her window um, which feels like where that was going but it didn't go that way um, <laughs> you know a little misdirect uh, but man when Giles hits that minion <laughs> with the door it's something <laughs> about that dumb slapstick oh, I love it <laughs> It reminds me of Ernest Scared Stupid, which is why that's in the Rex this, uh, <laughs> this week.
3: It is a good film.
0: I love a <laughs> creature getting hit with a door by accident.
1: They are kind of, <laughs> of troll like, I guess. Yeah. yeah. That's
2: like how you capture Wesley, too. I mean, it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> hit him twice with the door.
0: <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> Giles goes full psycho, right? We don't know what he did. He's uh, got some James Bond torture skills we don't know about.
3: Yeah, that watcher training.
1: Earlier in the episode, it's like Buffy kind of like is like, "Hey Giles, can you put your foot down so I don't have to?" And he's like, "Nah, you got to do it." And then like when Willow comes to him for her problems, he's like, "Well, I'm glad that's over with and we can move on." But then when a minion shows up, he's like, uh, "Let me bring back the old uh, Ripper." <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> he's just like that's what he's there for apparently he doesn't even care about making money at the store in this episode right now it's like (laughs) that's that's all he wants to be doing i yeah
0: (laughs) i i kind of feel like i disagree about your assessment of how he handles buffy and willow i think he's in buffy's case he's saying like yeah he's like you're you know it's time for you to step up and i think it's not get over it it's more like now you can move forward right but i mean the all in the surface of a joke i get it
1: yeah no i mean it's not bad <laughs> advice but like also it's like both of his like you know both both of those instances involve him doing like the least amount of work
3: i guess <laughs> <Because, laughs> like you know
0: like yeah good call
2: those minions so blood weak. work except for the good the good gory work of smashing minions mm. <laughs>
3: The uh, how about that scene with uh, Glory at the culture fair, just sort of holding Tara's hand and being increasingly threatening. Yeah, that is just the like the sense of dread in that scene is really, really intense. And the sense of threat is really intense. And this, it really speaks uh, to like, I don't know, when you really
0: have such a powerful threat, you can do it. All in broad daylight with like, like bright natural lighting and you could do it in a huge crowd and it feels more dangerous than if you're like alone at night, you know? Totally. Uh, And God, yeah. I mean, Tara is just such a like sweet character. You hate to see any, like, it really tugs on you to see terrible things happen to her, you know?
3: (laughs) That's true. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I think there's something about Tara being under threat that is really, really affecting in a way that like having you know, Willow kidnapped over and over again in the first couple seasons, or even having Dawn kidnapped doesn't quite meet that level for some reason for me. Like, yeah. Yeah. I want everything to be okay for Tara. Yeah. Oh man. And the creepy way
0: glory goes for the handhold before you see her. And even the side shot, the hair is curly for a second. It could look like Willow, you know, it's rough stuff.
1: I was invested. I will say that, but I probably have the incredibly wrong read of like, I was like, that looks like a fun fair. Like, in the background <laughs> of like, just like there's a lot of stuff going on. There's probably a lot of food cops. tents. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's like, Chinese New Year fair. dragons running around. Yeah. yeah, they went all out on this fair. I know you guys are being serious and I, I appreciate the, the, those moments too, but like, look like a fun fair. That's all I guess.
0: <laughs> I bet UC Sunnydale puts on a lot of fun events. Mm-hmm.
1: And and also, uh, yeah, Glory does that really creepy, weird thing of licking the blood off of Tara's hand, being like, humans are gross, but the key, that's something. So, and then she spits it out. Does the key have, like, special blood that tastes special? Is that the implication here? Must have. Have you tasted key blood before, Dennis? I've licked you, a cause... key,
0: I'm sure, because I was a child at some point. Have you Children made a key bleed? Are... I... have <laughs> I imagine it
1: tastes like a penny. Okay. So just Do more, <laughs> more copper. Oh, oh, that is amazing prop work. I
0: have oh, to yeah. say, wow. I love that you had a like a classic skeleton key.
3: Yeah, no, because this is, is that just Zingling. your apartment. key? This is key? the key to my new apartment.
0: Whoa,
3: man! That's gonna be just... one
2: of many keys. That can't be the only key.
3: <laughs> it it is not the only key, but it's you're just one holding
0: Don in your hand right now. <laughs> That's great. I love that England still uses, like, ancient skeleton keys.
3: Not just England, <laughs> but
0: mostly England.
3: Yeah, they're, they're way more common over here.
0: Uh, That's awesome. When Glory accuses Tara of lying to her because Glory misinterpreted her, like, things on her own and nobody told her anything, that, to me, feels a lot like, like what 2019 fandom feels like. Like... People getting so mad that their head cannons aren't accurate, and like <laughs> <laughs> accusing like like Marvel movies for being like, "Oh, you didn't have my like uh you know, my fanship work out. Like how dare you?" like uh, it just it, it just reminded me of the entitlement of fans right now.
2: Well, it doesn't help that so many writers steal from fandom for ideas for what to do next in their shows. <laughs> And they're literally looking for headcanon to turn into canon.
3: Why wouldn't you? I mean, some of it is so good. Like some some of that stuff, like I've been reading uh, uh, a fair amount of Sherlock uh, slash fiction. And some of it is like this is as good as anything that was on the show, sometimes better. Like they just should have they just should have gone with this.
2: No, absolutely. uh, There's fantastic ideas. They should steal them. But as a fan. you know, for putting your ideas out there and then them not using them. Uh, there needs to be some system to reward fans for being on the right track. Uh, or, I mean, I don't know. There doesn't have to be. I'm, I'm <laughs> dropping this opinion immediately. This is, I, this is going in a bad direction. <laughs> okay. So this is the scene I was thinking about later. So when they're in the hospital and Tara has been touched by glory and given, given what sounds like a horrific, never ending mental illness, There's this scene with the same doctor, of course, who fired Ben earlier, uh, asks Willow, is she your sister? And then lets her know that she's going to just have one night in the psych ward. And I assume that this is a trigger for queer people, that this kind of this treatment of your partner and also your feelings of powerlessness, though the scene definitely doesn't delve into that. But for whatever reason, that's all I could think about when I was watching this scene with the issue or sister line is kind of the early part of the scene. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah.
2: And then, you know, everybody shows up and of course is very empathetic to Tara and Willow, especially Tara for her unique situation that she's in. Yeah, This is just a nightmare scene. And I want the nightmare to end by the end of the episode and it doesn't. And so this, this particular scene felt like the, the high the high drama. Cause the last, the last scene that gets really cut off, you know, we're, feeling for Tara and what this new world and situation might be like. I mean, we'll get to that, I guess. And that's when, you know, we kind of hit the end of the episode. Yeah. But this, this hospital scene's also very well done. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily trying to evoke uh, so much of how maybe, you know, maybe queer relationships are treated in hospitals. I don't think it's quite because it's actually quite empathetic. Uh, though it still evokes some of that language yeah of, i mean i think you know, it's purposely author.
0: touching on it because there's there really are horror stories from real life of, especially you know in the states before gay marriage was like ratified in all states you know of, like people being denied access to their partner and like you know the family that had abandoned them having decision makings instead and like all that stuff and yeah yeah
1: it's a tough scene Moving on Uh, from the tough. No, I don't know. What's the transition for that? Uh, But (laughs) um, it's probably
0: my job to make a transition.
1: (laughs) So, you know, watching the show, Tara's often like so quiet or doesn't like input that much into the group. It was interesting watching this and that like she doesn't have any lines during the whole scene with Glory on the bench. Like, I think she whimpers and it most like shakes her head no that she's not going to tell her who the key is. Um... And also, like, when she's starting to talk about her past things, which maybe she's talked to Willow about before, but it's like Willow then interrupts her and kind of stops her from talking about that stuff was kind of interesting. And then after she gets uh, touched by Glory in the head, I don't know if that's the best way to say that, but uh, uh, now call she's a brain like, drain. The brain drain. Now she's, like, very verbal and just kind of saying random things that come to her, it seems like. I just think that's an interesting switch of characters that, like, She's been so quiet and submissive, and now she's like almost more outgoing and you know, more vocal. At the moment. hmm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The filter it it's gone. When you're bananas, for,
1: for a terrible way to say it. Uh, That's the clinical way, I think. Right? Yeah.
0: And I think her gibberish is pretty good. I I. I mean, it's like exaggerated and stuff, but I totally know that feeling of like, like from hearing somebody just like spouting random things because things are going on in their head that you don't have any way of like following. So you're just like, yeah, yeah, cats. Yeah. <laughs> or they kill mice. Yeah, that was the line, Yeah.
2: Um, so I was going to say that Spike was kind of like the dad in this episode, but really he's more like an uncle. You know, he's like the cool uncle in Into the Spider-Verse where Morales goes (laughs) and, like, wants to hang with and chat with. But he's also
0: a supervillain. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So when Don goes to see Spike to get some tips or advice, whatever, and talk about her situation and get some empathy, I actually love where she really oversteps her, not just her relationship with Spike, but, like, the reality of what Spike is. When she says, you know, when she talks about how she might, her situation might be un- incomprehensible to him. She's like, "Well, what would you know, <laughs> right?" And he's surprisingly kind to her when she asks asks him, "Like, what would he like? What would you know about this kind of thing?" Because she's she's really debating with, like, "Is she evil, right?" That's the kind of the tone of the conversation. Like, is she good or is she evil? And Spike is, is definitely evil, but also kind of good, and he kind of talks about that a bit. Uh, I should bring the quote in, but she's not quite evil. She's kind of just kind of evil. Yeah, she's baby blue leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but such an interesting scene. And it's unique because it really pushes Don into Spike's world. I think for whatever reason, they've done this a few times, but now it felt like they're really much more similar than I've than I've thought. I'm, you know, Don skipping out on school and stuff. She is clearly a spike in the making. And this this scene of like this cool uncle kind of made me re- think about, you know, into the Spider-Verse because she could go a couple different directions with this power that's, you know, at this point unfounded. You know, this is part of her origin story into what's what's next for her, assuming that she stays on the show. And I I would assume she will. That she could she's going to be like a morally gray character, you know, both evil and good uh, or kind of kind of kind of nice or <laughs> whatever spike characterizes himself but anyway this scene was great man every scene every character scene like in this episode was really killing it for me this this time i think there's uh, really great stuff that's really pushing the story forward uh not to complain about filler stuff in general but like this is a solid episode i think tough love might be the top one for season five for me
3: oh wow
0: i'm almost unprepared for you taking this so seriously because i all my notes are like silly in comparison but the book that Willow pulls out is called darkest magic and i was like do you think there are dark and darker volumes
3: uh yes i went through every frame of that book being flipped through to see if any words were legible and none were
1: well they can't let kids be just saying evil spells in real life out in the world you know that'd be problematic
2: I mean, this could be a question for later, but what spells does Willow cast? Because I was actually, I had my Dungeons and Dragons hat on and I was
1: looking <laughs> at those spells.
2: Yeah. Can't help it. So I think she starts with, uh, and also like solo wizard going after a powerful wizard plus minions, super dumb. I mean, I, everybody knows <laughs> yeah, that.
0: that's you, you need a party. These things are built for for party battles. <laughs>
2: also, like my estimate, I think like Willow is like a level five, level six wizard. Because that's when you start to come into your power as a wizard. You start getting additional, you know, access to spells and stuff.
3: Hey, everybody, it's John here at Buffy Virgin World headquarters with the cool new green screen just dropping in the middle of the video to tell you that our video got erased from this point forward. So it's going to be the video puppets for the rest of the podcast. Enjoy.
0: Wow, so Tara's guess was accurate.
3: I think
2: so. Yeah, I think she's leveled up like one level (laughs) since uh, since the Watcher Council did their interviews to like establish where they were at their experience levels. But like... (laughs) She comes in with darkness, right? So, like, the the lights go down a bit. I think she, that was a mistake. I think it, you know, that's that kind of it thing can like unsettle someone. But it's also a bit of a warning. Um, then she casts Thicken, I think, which is kind of like a hold person spell to keep glory in place. Then she has the knives, which I guess, like, any animate or, like, any kind of, like, it's basically a magic missile with some flavor. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, doesn't work, really. Then she's got Call Lightning. I don't know. Maybe I have Call Lightning's first. Yeah, I feel like Call Lightning, lightning is,
0: her, first, yeah. is actually her big spell. Like, that's like, she's got Sith powers now. Like,
1: yeah, the Lightning, I was like, uh oh, could she only use that once a day? Like, why, why isn't she just hitting her with that again?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I think she's wasting a spell slot by casting, you know, the knife spell. Obviously, we know that now. But <laughs> Glory's immune to piercing damage. But, but Call Lightning, on the other hand, fantastic. And then the Snakes, also another fail. So, also immune to poison
0: i think Uh, the problem with snakes was that she just rolled low so she was trying to call like a dozen snakes she or a giant she rolled like a five or something so she could only call one
1: yeah that happens uh she definitely did levitate and also like uh some kind of earth shake to the building to like uh bring about the apocalypse early before she showed up i think
3: y'all bunch of nerds (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, says the guy on the podcast
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just being on a podcast is enough Yeah, that's probably true <laughs> So, I don't know what kind of uh, spell Willow was casting uh, for this But, uh, God damn it, if Willow cannot spit a very respectably sized loogie the, the, uh, There's a screen cap of it, if you scroll down yeah. That yeah. is a lot of mucus that she spits up onto Glory's face yeah, I and mean, there was no prep for that either. That, that's what's so impressive, is no. that is <laughs> she just... <yeah. laughs> like I think we all could muster that up with given, given time and forewarning, but she just has it ready to go.
0: Yeah, and you'd think, like, in the middle of fighting a god, you'd be pretty dry-mouthed.
3: Yeah, it's super gross, too, the way it, like, glops down yeah. her face. It's...
1: <laughs> um, she rolled a nat 20 for that one, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's more like a NAS
0: 20 no (laughs) it's a respectable Uh, pun well done sir oh man so at the end uh just location wise i think they're in tara's dorm room from season four which means tara's been paying that room rent oh because the yeah
3: um, no it totally is it has the same painting and the same bad paint job
0: yeah that seems oh. crazy to me. Um,
3: yeah, we're back in Tara's single. So we, she's been living in the double with... So, yeah, so somebody's paying too much rent. Yeah. And you know Tara
0: has, like, massive student loans because her folks aren't paying for shit. Right. Uh, Do you
3: think... So. I think what's happened is that Buffy's actually still paying the, the for the dorm uh, for the double this whole time and is just, like, forgotten
0: that Oh that, that that's accruing. They were living... Willow and Tara are living in Buffy's double
3: yeah we saw Buffy moving out
0: it was a different location yeah but I she think was, Buffy
3: just d- didn't just just still paying rent I think Buffy forgot but
0: the dorm was different she had a dorm with two doors that were on either side oh the dorm that Willow's at looks like it's a redress of the same set from their season four dorm
3: oh okay wow uh, this is I can't believe I just we called get anyone a nerd other podcasts <laughs> <don't>. um <laughs>
0: Uh, but let's talk about the emotional and dramatic ending to this episode.
2: Yeah, this is a great ending. I mean, you're just getting into this idea of what responsibility means. And now both Buffy and Willow have been gifted this insane responsibility. You know, Buffy taking care of Dawn, you know, as both a maternal figure and like uh, a teacher, an instructor, a mentor. I mean, it's a lot to take on. And, I, you know, we didn't. I wish we'd spent a little more time, sorry, on the scene where Buffy kind of reveals to Dawn what went on behind closed doors, which was that, you know, Buffy needs to figure out what what is going on with Dawn and like manage her better. Or she's going to have to you know be pushed into the foster care system or Dawn will be taken care of by someone else like Buffy has to prove herself as a parent. And it's such an awesome challenge for her. I really like the framing of that because it feels like both a, a, like a completely natural within the show kind of challenge. And it's like very specific with obvious outcomes. So like the stakes are really high. And then when she shares those stakes with Don, Don's like, Oh shit, (laughs) I do have to actually work with Buffy on this stuff. I mean, I love it. It's just like the bullshit ends immediately. Uh, And I appreciate that Don didn't fight that. I like that felt like a really good, uh, just an amazing moment for those characters. And then, you know, Willow kind of, i guess very quickly coming up coming into the like realization that she's going to be taking care of tara and you know she's going to see glimpses of the person she loved and you know it's not going to be ever be the same again but yeah. she's going to take on the responsibility of like taking care of her for however long that is wow so both these realizations are happening and uh at simultaneously kind of people are coming to gr- to grips with this is the new reality and then glory busts through the <laughs> side of the house oh that's the best yeah the stakes just got raised they got raised again yeah. i love it and, and that's thing.
0: like this this is part of the love i have for the show is like um they're dealing with heavy things i have like a real like actual life connection to the like stress of the caregiving of somebody you you love and it's like like this shit's real but then they're also like, but then there's this monster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Right. And this doesn't feel like monster as metaphor. It's just straight up. And then the other thing. Yeah. And the monster. uh, That's destroyed both of you. So now they both have every reason to destroy glory together because, you know, Tara has been affected by her and, you know, she's after Glory's after dawn. So it's like, oh, this is a great place to pause. And I, I'm so excited for the next episode. I mean, this is, probably the best cliffhanger i've seen in this in the show as far as like the stakes yeah shit
1: goes bad in your life and then you have to fight a vengeful god as well you know it's not one or the other it's both it's buffy
0: welcome to buffy we got a hook for you and let's move on to questions for the group questions for the group
3: So Dennis, uh and uh what do you think is the uh this comic book that uh that that Xander's reading at the Magic Box? Uh
0: so Yoder discovered it. I did investigating, but I couldn't quite figure it out. Based on your fo- your high-def screenshot and <laughs> what I noticed in the thing, I knew from the interiors that it was for sure an X-Men comic, because I recognized my my gal rogue. Oh. Um I saw rogue I, as well. Yeah. And then <laughs> And then there's a later shot, I actually pulled it up, where you can see the cover.
1: Yeah, uh, that was the most helpful thing for me. But
0: Yeah. So I knew it was like an oh. X-Men comic from either the year 2000 or 2001. And I want to point out, 2000 and 2001 were really big years for X-Men, because 2000 is when the first movie came out, which like notoriously like, just Whedon did some script writing for, and like the worst line of the movie is his, Storm's, what happens... But a toad gets struck by lightning. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, you know, I mean, I think Jess Whedon has had uh, his fair shot at redeeming his X-Men cred, uh, but he'll always have that. (laughs) Um, And it's also 2001 is when or 2000 is when X-Men Unlimited or X-Men. Yeah. X-Men Ultimates came out. And then 2001 is when uh, Grant Morrison's new X-Men came out. It's a big time for X-Men. This comic is none of those things. Uh. Yeah,
1: it's before the new X-Men run, um, I actually, I was looking at the interior pages and like the cover, I could, yeah, we could just see a little bit of, and I was like, well, I, I thought I recognized the artist for the interior, but it, I was wrong. But I was like searching for all of his X-Men comics. Uh, who'd then. you think was it was? Uh, Salvador La Roca or La Rocha. Oh,
0: yeah. I thought,
1: I thought the drawings were kind of like how he draws characters. Um, and then I just was like, well, I'll just go by the cover and the 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 range. I have this app on my phone for tracking all my comics to make sure like I don't buy duplicates anymore. And like nice. it has like the cover image, you know, for each series. So yeah, it's X-Men uh number 109 which was a 100-page mammoth issue for some reason. It looks like it came out in February, but they're all wearing Santa's hats, so I don't know how publishing works for comics back then, <laughs> but like yeah, so that's and it's drawn by, oh, I didn't get that part. But it's written by, our, you know, the guy that wrote like ninety nine percent of all X Men comics, Chris Claremont. So
0: wow, this is still during the Claremont era.
1: I think he left and came back and yeah. You know.
0: look at yeah, you know what? I misinterpreted that cover. I was searching for a, I guess that's what I see now in your high res version is like uh, maybe the White Queen's arm. I interpreted that as uh, the tentacle of Omega Red, so I was searching for <laughs> X-Men 2000 um, Omega Red covers, and it was like impossible.
1: I was literally just going by the logo and like how there's all that white space at the top. That time yeah. I was like scrolling and looking
0: through. That's book. good. Yeah, I was going by the logo also because it it's a particular time in X-Men. I interpreted the white space on the top, though, to mean that it was an issue of uncanny X-Men. Yeah, so I was I,
1: searching uncanny too.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: We're both nerds. Comic this nerds. is the level. Yeah, thanks Yeah, thanks for
2: uh, listening to Comic Book Dicks, uh, the detective show where uh, two private investigators discover what comic that was. <laughs> this is totally why people listen to a Buffy podcast. <laughs> they want the minutiae, though, about the show. I mean, I wanted to know what comic Xander was reading.
0: All right, let's see what other questions we got.
2: So I want to go back to that scene buffy's quitting school did you pop a slide when you quit school did you find (laughs) teachers say understanding things or do they look at you like a lost puppy when you quit quit school or drop a class or do you even get this moment because i don't think you have to formally quit i think you just straight up drop or call a number
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i don't think you have to confront the teacher anymore um you can definitely do it online i mean you could do it online. When I was a student,
3: um, and that was like this this year. <laughs> I definitely had this conversation with some profs when I dropped out. I don't know that I had to, but I definitely did, uh, and it was it went about as well as it does for Buffy, which is like, oh, you're quitting, huh? Yeah, they don't. Well, care. all right, <laughs> it's <was> not <about laughs> like that, right? Because you quitting is just less work for them, right?
1: <laughs> like it's not. Yeah, at least Buffy's teacher, like, knew what was going on in her life, you know, like. Yeah. Um, but I, I was, when I saw the episode, I was like, oh, man, I hope it's not, like, too far in that she's, like, paying for the entire class as opposed to, you know, like. Right. You know, withdrawing soon enough that, like. <laughs> it
3: there must be, like, a bereavement more. clause that lets her get out of that.
1: Yeah, you would you would think so. You would hope. That's what, so my recommendation for this episode is dead man on campus. No, just kidding. (laughs) And if you work at the
0: bursar's office at uh, any of the UC systems, please message us about how this would work.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next question here. Should Dawn go live with her dad? Because Buffy's only 20, right? I mean, can she take guardianship of her sister? And I don't, I know that the show's just written by people who have an idea of how the world works and this is what they decided. So that's fine. Yeah. I don't need to go into a visa level argument about this, but just like,
3: shouldn't Dawn live with her dad? Doesn't that make sense? The, the dead beatness of Buffy's dad seems to be on the increase as the show goes on where like, uh, it's the impression you get in the first couple seasons is that, Oh, he's probably just like, you know, in the next town over and he visits on holidays or whatever. And now it's like when, when Buffy's mom dies, it's like, Oh Yeah. We can't even, we don't have a good address for him. We don't even know what country he lives in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, between seasons one and two, she lives with her dad. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I actually have a theory. I've got a theory (laughs) that, uh, you know, in order to create life, life must be taken. I think Buffy's dad was erased when Don was created.
3: Ooh. (laughs) just a theory not the memory of him just the present yeah. no not the memory tense.
0: yeah it has to still exist for for their lives to make sense <clears throat> well
1: oh. my theory is that uh john ritter's character would be a better dad than their actual dad <laughs> at this point <laughs>
2: <laughs> bring back ted bring back ted <laughs> you mean a pile of circuit boards
1: be a better dad Probably. not in his current state jeez mike <laughs> <laughs> eight rules for dating my teenage
0: demon Yeah. yeah as
2: we talk about the deadbeatness it makes me think like another fan theory for this could be like or a way that you know this kind of dawn character works it sounds like one of the writers just married someone who had kids and then had to like basically take on the dad role and so then it's like what's it like when you marry into a relationship where they already have grown kids who are like 10 years old it's like you you're now an important figure in their lives and you kind of probably get a chance to rewrite the story of their lives like you were always there and always supporting them in some way uh this is like i bet there's a writer
1: who like like at least remarried who had the dawn idea they remarried someone with kids and was like what if this person dies i'm responsible oh my god
2: oh yeah i mean that oh my gosh i no. then you just you disappear then you pull a <laughs>
0: buffy's dad god <laughs> all right uh, that seems pretty heavy, so this is a good transition into themes and <laughs> deep stuff.
2: Deep stuff.
3: So just to talk about the uh, scene with, I think we kind of already talked about it, but the scene where uh, Willow and Tara get into a fight, and particularly the beginning of it, where uh willow is like it's like almost like people are treating me like my lack of experience with this means my opinion my opinion is worth less yeah and i feel like (laughs) i related to that uh, quite a bit because i feel like that is the sort of like that's the privileged mindset that i have to constantly keep rewinding myself back from where i'm just like but why is everybody treating me like my opinion is worth less than other people's it's like because you know less and have less experience with the thing you're talking about than the other people (laughs) like Like, I feel like that's a, that's a very common thing. And if you are, if you come from a sort of a position of, 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 privilege, I think you're used to people sort of automatically treating your opinion as valid. And then when you're in a position where it's like, oh, actually your opinion is totally not very helpful here. You suddenly yeah. feel like you're being tra- treated unfairly. And I, so I, I, really related to Willow's like her, her sort of like, I mean, you'd think my mom would have to die for me to be able to talk about dead moms. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: I also, uh, that's, yeah, I felt the exact same way. It also reminded me that I, um, when we did the body episode, I, like, clipped a line from this where I, I introduced myself as dead a dead mom expert, and I was clipping <laughs> from this where Tara's like, I'm not an expert, I just have the one dead mom. <laughs> just lost the one hand. uh, But, it, I mean, all through, I mean, it really hits Willow. Willow really pays for her attitude of privilege, but all through the episode, she's dealing with that, right? Like, yeah, she doesn't know, and um, you know, she <laughs> eventually has to deal with some of that heavy responsibility, and it's a game changer. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I think we've talked about it also, but just yep, responsibility. That's feels like a big theme in this episode that's really well and explicitly talked to about Buffy's responsibility to be an adult raise and be as you know taking care of dawn and then willow's responsibility now for tara both of them moving into this interesting caretaker maternal responsibility it's it's a real crazy transition i mean it's not it's not so crazy for buffy it's maybe definitely crazy for willow but uh just just an interesting path for them to go down and i'm paying close attention to the way that you phrased uh that last observation of yours, Dennis.
0: What, what did I say?
2: Oh, just talking to uh, the way that that's a game changer for Willow. So maybe that's a
0: prediction I need to make. Uh, I, yeah. And I just wanted to point out like, you know, like to, to pile on this responsibility thing about where this show started off with Buffy being from the outside point of view, a delinquent teenager who's always skipping class and Joyce having to be the one who's trying to rein it in. And now for her to have, like, totally transitioned to this other space, you know, um, is pretty amazing. Um, and I, I mean, it it's one of the benefits of a long-running TV show is seeing uh, characters transition over years. Um, but it is really interesting because that was Buffy's character trait right at the beginning. is like, you cause trouble
1: in school. <laughs> Um, this is kind of related to the Buffy responsibility thing, but uh, is she running the gallery as well? Or do they address that ever They
3: haven't.
1: I, my feeling is that Buffy space, is maybe? not running
3: the gallery, but yeah, maybe we can make that a prediction.
1: <laughs> What's going on with the gallery?
2: Gallery's a dead letter. No one's interested in the gallery anymore. That just got dropped hard. Thanks for bringing that up, Yoder. I totally didn't think about that.
1: Well, I guess I was thinking about in the way of like okay i hope that uh they own their house (laughs) because like what income does buffy have coming in like maybe deadbeat dad is sending a check every month i don't know it's like what's going on there with that
2: yeah i mean you assume there's enough of an inheritance or something that pays out to cover the mortgage but she better be talking to the mortgage company about that because that's obviously that'll be a huge issue she could easily lose the house that's a very good point
1: um Speaking, Don't let adults watch TV shows. <laughs>
2: That's also the point.
1: Yeah, you got to pay for shit. Shitting. How's she going to handle the mortgage? I guess I might move on to the, the point I have. I mean, it's not that uncommon for episodes of Buffy, but like, kind of stuck out to me this time of like, it's just like all the female characters in this episode are like kind of taking a beating pretty hard. Like, uh, you know, Buffy and Dawn have their school troubles, uh, still dealing with the aftermath of their mom. Um Tara gets kidnapped and like brain drained and also Willa and Tara have their fight Um Anya's about the only one that doesn't have any serious issues going on I guess. This episode.
0: Anya learns about capitalism and thinks it's great
1: yeah which that <laughs> could definitely lead down a road of like some problems for her but right now yeah the boys aren't really taking it as hard this this up. Uh yeah i think that's kind of why i picked up on too. i i'm like giles just kind of taking a back seat of being like yep i'm here but i'm not doing nothing so (laughs) not my problem
0: not my problem (laughs) (laughs) all right uh i think that's a good way to end themes and deep stuff so let's move on to recommendations recommendations uh, I am going to recommend, uh, because of the brain da- drain, and I don't know if I've recommended this before, uh, Brain Damage, the Frank Henneloffer movie, because uh, there's an alien that eats brains. <laughs> uh, it's really good. Um, because of the struggle of caregiving and of caregiving of siblings, uh, I'm going to recommend the most, the worst case scenario with that, uh, and that's Whatever Happened to Baby Jane? Um which is a movie you really should see if you haven't. Um uh and I think both Buffy and Willow seem to be doing a lot better job, uh than Betty Davis, uh, in Whatever Had to Baby Jane. Um, and because the Minion got hit by a door, I'm recommending Ernest Scared Stupid, which is hilarious. And has the troll getting hit by a car door without Ernest even noticing it. Uh and the troll is pretty similar to the minions really. Um uh, the Ernest movies are
3: highly underrated. That one especially. Scared Stupid is really good. The the Miak joke yeah. still floors me every time.
1: For the sibling taking care of movie, I thought you were going to re- recommend Basket Case, but I don't know if you've already recommended
0: <laughs> that movie. I think podcast. I have, but I could have done two Frank and a lot for movies.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I remember that was one movie where like because we had different work schedules when we lived together Dennis, but like I would come home and like you'd be watching some movie and be like, okay, fine. Like sometimes I'd sit down and watch with you, and other times I'd just like go back to my room to like unwind after getting off work. But that was one where I was like, what the hell are you watching? Like, what is this movie? And I kind of had to sit and watch it with you just because I was intrigued to what was going on.
0: Yeah, and uh Basket Case has a cameo in brain damage. Uh, so they're in the same world. All right. Uh those are the recs. Uh why don't we move on to predictions? Virgin predictions.
3: Okay, let's take a look. So, Michael, at the moment, your overall accuracy is a 64.91, while your accuracy for this season, taken in isolation, is a 68.29. So, let's see what predictions we can address in this episode. Going way back, season two, episode 12. Michael, you predicted Buffy will not have children. Um, I, I don't think this is one we will settle on
0: today, but I just wanted to bring it up because she is in a parental role to Don. Um, Good point. I, actually yeah,
3: to, I, I don't I, think that we're going to, yeah, I think we need to leave this one alone for now.
0: Right? I actually want to make a big argument about this one when we do our series. Our season five wrap up or um, perhaps uh, when we do uh, the finale. But um, I have some opinions about it.
3: Yeah, I don't think we're allowed to have this argument without Travis present. Oh, yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, season three, episode 16. Michael, you predicted that Willow will wear the dark Willow outfit again in a future season. I know that you meant vampire Willow when you wrote this, um, but Willow does have a different um, atmosphere about her here. Um, something that I just wanted to point out. She's
1: got dark eye contact lenses. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, But she doesn't change her outfit. She changes her eyes. In the season three recap, Michael, you predicted that Buffy will fail a college course. So what do you guys think? I mean, I think probably (laughs) this is going to be a withdrawal on her transcript, probably not a fail, given given the bereavement.
1: I feel like those are two. Has she not, like, failed a class... We've never seen her
0: fail a class. That's the thing. I bet she has. (laughs) I feel like it's safe
1: to assume, but. (laughs) So. uh, They they take
0: it very literally, David. There's (laughs) no way. Yeah, I'd say this is either a uh, deny or a leave open. I think we can uh, leave this one open. Because we don't know.
1: The teacher in the opening would have had to say, well, you know, by withdrawing from my class, it'll count as a failure. Like that would like (laughs) what you would need to like get a success on this prediction, I guess.
3: OK, so season five, episode 12, this is one we probably should have take, tackled a little bit earlier. But Spike is going to get his brain sucked out by Glory and it will remove the chip. Uh, we now know that this is impossible, that a vampire cannot be brain drained. So this one is uh, hereby denied because they don't have brains or no, I watched that episode. I know. Season five, episode 13, Michael, you predicted that Ben and Glory are the same person. Really? <laughs> and it, was that not confirmed then? Oh. I
0: don't I'm sorry. I've been trying to pull off this joke about me not remembering it because of things, but it's never worked. But are you very high? <laughs> <laughs> so
3: we're gonna go ahead and confirm that one, Michael.
1: Uh Wait, so Gloria. Is Brandon suspect, and Glory are the same person? What <laughs>
3: <laughs> do you think that they sublet? You, th- you suspect that there's a connection.
1: Do they have separate closets? How does this work?
3: Uh, Okay, Uh, and with that being all, you have one denial and one confirmation Uh, that brings your overall accuracy uh, down to a sixty four point eight one. So you've lost about a tenth of a percentage there and your accuracy for this season down to a sixty seven point four four.
2: Gosh, you have to really get a ton right for this to work. But of course, like every time we add a prediction, it like it just changes the math too, which is lovely. So I have uh, five new predictions, and one su- one of those is a super. So hopefully I'm not redoing any predictions. Apparently I do that. But uh, here's my first prediction: uh, Tara will only recover from the brain in- injury a moment before dying. I think they could do like a full Angel in Hell arc for her to recover, you know. But I I don't think so. I think this show is gonna is gonna kill her off. I think that she's going to recover just a little bit of her mind enough to be cognizant to know that what she's doing, and then she can sacrifice herself for Buffy and the gang to continue. This is maybe too complicated a prediction, but it's a noble sacrifice on Tara's part and I'm sad about it, but I think that's what they'll do. I probably should just say like Tara will recover from the brain injury, not specifying how long, (laughs) and then, (laughs) And then Tara will die, sacrificing herself for the, you know, for Buffy and gang. But instead, I combine them so to ensure that it's denied. <laughs> uh, uh, Glory is going to drink, eat some Dawn blood in the next episode, season five, episode twenty, Spiral.
1: We got to make sure she's a key, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Got to test that key blood. That was a fun thing, and I bet Glory will do that again. I'm saying next episode and not season five because, like, let's just let's just make it. Uh,
1: Harder target.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like how you're making it harder for you to get successes here.
2: Well, just, it just raises the stakes a little bit to be yeah. more specific and also easier to deny rather than some of these are staying open
0: forever. <laughs> so let's, yeah, there's let's a lot just of be more ones.
2: specific. Uh, Someone, this is third prediction. Someone possibly spike will joke about spike being Don's uncle. I want a good, are you her uncle? What? No, might or like, yeah, might. I'm a (laughs) uncle, whatever. Just like a joke about Spike. (laughs) Spike's got a bit Australian, I think. There, (laughs) been watching a bunch of Australian movies lately as a genre. Uh, and then Willow, this is uh, sorry, Willow will use the lightning spell again. That's a great spell. That is a powered up spell. That's probably the best in her arsenal. She'll definitely use that spell again. And super prediction Buffy will go back to college in season six. And I was debating this because I wasn't sure if she was going to go back to school. And I actually had written the inverse of this, that she would never go back to school. But like, I think if she doesn't, she does She this woman, Buffy, needs a distraction from reality. And her full time job is slayering. I think she needs to go back to school or she will lose her mind. So season six, going back to school. <laughs> she might go back to school, going back to school in season five, but she'll be back in school in season six. I could actually say Buffy will be in college in season six. Let me just do that. I mean, like, go back to school. She could start and then they'll go back for another, you know, round of classes. So Buffy will go back to college as my super prediction.
1: If she goes to a trade school, does that not count? Or is that?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't, right? Because a trade school is different than college, right? Nice try, Yoder. I'm not going to say anything about her going to a trade school.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's where I was trying to lead you down. (laughs) She learns to be a carpenter to work with Xander. Obviously, hijinks will ensue. Oh, wait. I just wrote my own fan script of the episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm super gutted they're going to kill Tara off. I'm not happy with this decision on the show's part. Everyone's making faces. I'm like trying to read these faces, listening audience. John had the best face.
1: Well, it's hard to say anything. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what do Who's you want me to say?
1: Who's Tara? Oh, don't you? Oh,
2: I want to make another prediction on this. So (laughs) Tara will die. Boom. Then we know that's going to happen. Willow will cast a spell on herself to wipe her mind to forget Tara. So it's a separate thing is Willow will cast a spell to forget Tara.
1: There is like a very bad TV trope of like gay or lesbian characters, like having bad fates on TV shows. Isn't there? It seems like. Mm -hmm. And on that note, not that I know anything of the future of this show.
0: Uh, Yoder, what are you up to these days? Where can people find you?
1: Uh, I'm on that Twitter uh, as awesome Yoder, The word awesome and then my last name Yoder. Um, yeah, I don't know. Making comics sometimes. I'm hoping to start making a regular comic again. Uh, that's just whatever the heck I want to draw. Awesome.
0: Uh, and uh, I'm Dennis St. John. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at dennis comics that's d-e-n-i-s c-o-m-i-x and that's also my dot com and my instagram uh my comics monster club comics and uh uh, land of many monsters and many more monster tales and amelia are all available on my my website um and uh yeah you can see snoopy in space an animated series that's going to be that's on apple tv plus uh right now i worked on that um and uh yeah thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at buffy virgin uh you can visit our website buffyvirgin.com for links to our blog our youtube twitter and instagram uh reach out we love to hear from you and don't forget to rate us and review us on the podcast listener of your choice slam that subscribe button give us some ratings we need them uh and we'll see you in hell